Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Well, it is good to be with you this morning. It's been a while since I have gotten to be over here at Kesslinger, so... If you don't know me, my name is Andrew Griffiths. I am the campus pastor at our North Aurora campus. Uh, and it's so great to see so many new faces that I haven't seen before and to be in church, to celebrate with my church family. Uh, and I want to thank you because I don't often get the chance to do this. Just want to thank you for the support and the prayers that you guys often offer to our North Aurora campus. So many great things that God is doing on our campus. And, and that's in part because of your generosity, your service, uh, and your prayers. So thank you so much. I want to pray that God would continue to do Great things across all our campuses. Uh, and I'm excited to be here for the start of a brand new series as well, Proverbs. Uh, it's going to be an interesting series looking at this idea of wisdom. Now, whenever we start a new series, I'm thinking about learning new things uh, and growing in new things. And whenever I think about learning new things, I can't help but think of books like this. If it's going to come up. There we go. The Dummy Books. How many of you own at least one of the Something for Dummies books? Please don't leave me by myself here, okay? These books are so bizarre. And what's most bizarre about that is the, the genres that you will get in this. So for example, we've got Making Millions for Dummies. I can't believe that if I read that book, I'm just gonna make a million dollars. That seems a little too easy, right? That you can just, that there's just some solution for making millions. But then you've got other books like this that I do appreciate. Here's another one. Dad's Guide to Pregnancy for Dummies, right? I love how there's a dad's guide for pregnancy for dummies, right? It's good to think about this Father's Day, right? Because dads were just not quite as sharp in that area. I remember having to read a ton when Janae, my wife, was pregnant, trying to get myself ready. But at least I'm not a Canadian, because check this out. Pregnancy for Canadians. <laughs> Do Canadians just have some kind of pregnancy issue that I'm not aware of, that they need like a little extra help that the dad's guy didn't help them with? Then, uh, this is really good for pastors, there is a Bible for dummies, right? Good news. I was worried about what to say today, so I got a Bible for dummies, and I got one of these, communication skills for dummies, so I'm set. Today's sermon is going to be great, and if not, it's, it, the blame is on the dummy books, okay? Because I read both of them, okay? No, I love these books. Now, but the problem with these books is, these books are all about giving us information, giving us knowledge, helping us learn about a variety of things. And what Proverbs is concerned with is not giving us more knowledge, it's concerned about giving us something very specific, wisdom. And I think that we live in an age and a culture where wisdom is sorely lacking. We actually, we live in a culture that has got plenty of information, plenty of knowledge. And in fact, right now, you could reach into your pocket and there's a device that can connect you to almost all of the information in human history. You can read about any topic that you can imagine, but what it doesn't give you is wisdom. Because wisdom isn't just filling your mind with more information, it's learning how to apply that. How to live rightly in God's creation in the midst of all of the different things that we face. We are inundated with information from every direction and yet we struggle to know how to navigate it, don't we? So many things going on in our lives at any one moment. Tim Keller, one of my favorite pastors who passed away recently said that we will face many situations in life that will require knowledge, that will require information, but most of all, will require situations that need wisdom. We'll face questions like, who do we marry? Where do we work? What career? What city should I live in? What kind of relationship should I look for? 
Which school should I go to? Should I play it safe or play it risky? These are all questions that every one of us face in one form or another almost every day. And no amount of information can answer those questions. The only thing that can is wisdom, is knowing how to navigate. So we are going to, as a church family this summer, attend our attention to a book in scripture that gives us access to God's wisdom, that will train us in God's wisdom. And today we're going to begin in Proverbs 1 by looking at what this book intends to do in our hearts, what it wants to form in our hearts. We're going to look at the character of wisdom, the desire of wisdom, and the beginning of wisdom. Let's start with the character of wisdom. Now, I am personally really looking forward to this series because I don't consider myself a wise person. And I'll give you an example of why. I one time had a brilliant idea when I was making breakfast. Now, how many of y'all have toast for breakfast? And you go in the fridge and you get the margarine out and it's like as hard as a rock. And there is nothing that makes me more frustrated than trying to spread that solid block of butter on my toast. So I had a brilliant idea. I thought, well, you know what? Hot things melt stiff things and the toast is hot. So here's what I'm gonna do. It was a brilliant idea. I'm gonna put the tub of butter on top of the toaster while it's toasting. So I'm gonna kill two beds with one stone. It's gonna work out great for me. I was convinced that this was gonna become like this amazing idea. I could tell all my friends about it. So I put it on there, go to the living room. I'm like, I'm ready for breakfast. Very shortly, I start to smell a very odd smell. And I walk back to the kitchen and I see not only the butter is melted, the tub of butter has melted into the toaster and there is black smoke billowing out of our toaster, right? It is a complete catastrophe. The toast is gone. The toast is definitely gone. And my wife is thinking, I'm going to be gone too. So it was not a great situation. That's an example of wisdom, right? Because I knew, I knew the physics of the situation. I didn't apply it very well. I wasn't wise. And what Proverbs wants to do is it wants to teach us what wisdom is. This is how the book begins. It says in verses 1 and 2, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. I want to help us kind of start this journey out right by helping us situate ourselves a little bit, figuring out where we are in the story of Scripture. Firstly, what's a proverb? So maybe something that we don't really consider we need to answer, but I think we do. I think we need to figure out what, it, what is it, this, this collection of proverbs. Proverbs are kind of short sayings that offer some form of teaching. And you have probably come across far more proverbs in your life than you realize. I'm going to give you a few proverbs, for example, and I want you guys to finish it, right? This is first service today, so you've got plenty of energy. So here's the first one, for example. The apple doesn't fall far from the... Good, we're live. Okay. A picture is worth a thousand... Kill two birds with one... Don't judge a book by its... Laughter is the best... Right? We all know them. They're, They're kind of inbuilt into us. At some point or another, you have come across a proverb that has gone into your heart and it's gone into your mind and you remember it teaches you something. It gives you insight into something. It helps shape an idea for you. And this book is a collection of sayings just like that, of biblical, godly sayings that help us to think through our lives and to shape our idea of our lives. It was put together by a guy called Solomon. Now, maybe you know who Solomon is, but for those of you who don't, he was one of the ancient kings of Israel. 
the third king actually in the history of Israel. And he was the son of King David. That's how he's introduced in this book. Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And Solomon was said to be the wisest man in the world at his time of living. He's what we're told in First Kings, in the chronicling of Solomon's reign. It says in First Kings 4, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was far wiser than all other men. Wiser than Ethan the Ezraite and Haman and Calcol and Dada, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. So this was a well-read man, a well-known man, and he was known for being incredibly wise. And so he became the kind of father of Israel's wisdom tradition. Wrote several books. Another one that he wrote that is one of my favorite books in scripture is Ecclesiastes, which similar to Proverbs is kind of exploring life and all of the different corners of it and how to live in a godly way. So the last question that we really have for this passage of scripture is, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? We've mentioned that word several times and we've got kind of an allusion to it already. But I want to define it clearly for us as we go through this series so that we know what it is that we're chasing, what it is that we're seeking in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs uses a very specific Hebrew word for wisdom, a word chokmah, which means skill or applied knowledge. And it's actually a very practical way. The way that it's used in other places of scripture is not to describe kind of philosophers, but it's used to describe artists and craftsmen, people who were incredibly skilled at their job. They knew how to use their talents well. And what's so unique about the book of Proverbs is it wants us to think of wisdom as this treasure to be sought after. And it actually goes even further than that. And the book of Proverbs personifies wisdom as a woman. And the the start of this book in the first kind of eight chapters is the kind of a father writing to his son and inviting him to seek after wisdom. This woman who is uh, worth more than gold or silver. Such an interesting thing then. I think that, that that is there for a reason which we're gonna come back to. But I, I wanna read something about what this father tells his son about wisdom. This is in Proverbs 3. And the father writes this, he says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth and by understanding he established the heavens. That last verse in particular I think is really helpful for us because the the biblical understanding of wisdom is that it is kind of this fabric that runs through everything. What we're told there at the end is that God founded the earth on wisdom, by wisdom. What it's telling us is that there's, what wisdom is is this kind of hidden pattern to all things. It is the design of all things that God has placed. And here is the general pattern. He's the general pattern that God has given us. Wisdom will lead to virtue, integrity, and generosity. And those things in turn will lead to peace. 
Wisdom leads to integrity, virtue, and generosity, which leads to peace. But it also tells us that foolishness is the contrast to that. What foolishness is, is foolishness is something that will lead us to selfishness and pride, which will lead us to ruin and shame. This is the pattern that kind of undergirds everything in God's creation. So Proverbs is going to help us see that pattern, and it's going to help us apply our lives to that pattern. So here's a working definition that I want to have for wisdom as we travel through this book together. Wisdom is the skill of living a faithful and godly life and seeing the reality of God's creation. Wisdom is the skill of living a faithful and godly life and seeing the pattern of God's creation. Now, do you see why Solomon wants us to get wisdom? Do you see why this king would craft together all these sayings, all these ideas? It's because Solomon knows how hard it is to navigate this life. And he has seen the God that has led him through it. And so he wants to share with us what he has learned, what he has found in this creator God. He doesn't want it to be a mystery to us. He wants it to be clear. Because God's wisdom has a desire for you. It has a desire for you. One of the things that my uh, son is really into right now is this little glider that he won at a birthday party. Uh, he, he got the, you know, the kind of kids give out those bags at the end of the parties and there's various little toys. And there was this one little glider in that he's become obsessed with. And so he will go out to the park near our house and he'll throw it repeatedly again and again and again. And every time he says, how does it do that? How does it, how does it go so far? He's fascinated by this idea. Now, me being the nerd, I want to like unpack the whole idea for him and get really ridiculous. And uh, he doesn't, he's not interested in that. But what I know as an adult is I know that the reason why that glider works is that it is following certain principles. Principles like aerodynamics, right? Aerodynamics tells us that something has to be designed in a certain way if it's going to travel through the air well. Based the laws of physics, things like that. Well, what if I told you that God has crafted creation in such a way that there are certain principles, certain patterns that we've got to follow if we're going to live well, if we're going to travel well. And similarly, if I change some of the dynamics of that glider and I mess with it and I increased its weight and I changed its shape, if it's not going to follow the pattern of aerodynamics well, it's going to fall to the ground. It's going to lead to ruin. The desire of wisdom is to teach us the pattern so that we don't fall into ruin. The desire of wisdom is to lead us into life and peace and wholeness. It wants to point us in the right direction. Here's what we're told in the first six verses of Proverbs. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. I think there's three ways that we can summarize what wisdom will cultivate, what it desires for your life. And the first one is this, is to instruct you in righteousness. The first desire of wisdom in your life is to instruct you in righteousness. It says that right at the outset of the book, it says that this book was written so that you could receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Now, one of the problems that I think human beings have is that we don't want to see the pattern. 
In fact, quite often, the, the principal sin of mankind, the thing that God is working most uh, fully to resolve, to redeem, to change, is that our hearts want to create our own pattern. And what righteousness is, is it's a, it's a way of living that lives in accordance with God's design, with God's pattern for creation. Proverbs wants to show us that pattern, as we've already said. Many times in scripture, what happens is that the people of Israel, the people of God, find themselves falling into foolishness because they have decided we don't need to follow God's pattern. We can craft our own. And things haven't changed for us. In fact, if I mention some of the other modern proverbs that we might have in our culture, they might sound something like this. Follow your own heart. Life is what you make it. But the truth is life isn't what we make it. Life is what God makes it. And so wisdom is learning to say, I need to walk in righteousness. I need to understand what it means to live in accordance with what God has intended for my life, what he's intended for my neighbors. And so you'll find things in Proverbs like this, Proverbs like 3.27 that says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. That's justice. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. That's Proverbs 14, 31. See, wisdom's desire is for us to be formed into the kind of person that live out the principles of God's good creation, to love our neighbor. There's a reason why Jesus said that to love your neighbor as yourself is a summation of all of the law and the prophets, because that is what wisdom is, is it is a call to live righteously, to love your neighbor. Second thing that wisdom wants to uh, build in your life, what it desires for your life, is to grow you in godliness. Grow you in godliness. James 3, verses 13 through 17 says this, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have any bit of jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder of every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. See, true wisdom doesn't just form moral behavior in you. It doesn't just teach you how to do the right things and avoid the wrong things. True wisdom is concerned with your heart. It's concerned with your heart. James, in his letter, is telling the church that godly wisdom is gentle. It's open to reason. It describes it even as meek, a word that's often used to describe Jesus as well. If anyone would think himself wise, the first way to check that wisdom is to look at how they communicate. Are they open to reason? Are they gentle? Are they tender? Are they walking in humility? Are they insisting upon their own way? Wisdom does not insist upon its own way. And the truth is if we are communicating with brashness, insistence or bitterness, we're not displaying the wisdom of God. We're walking in foolishness. That's why you will never find true wisdom in a Facebook comment section. Because no one in, in that little conversation is desiring to be open to reason, to be gentle, to be gracious, to be loving, 
to be just. Wisdom is not about us arguing with one another and figuring out which one of us is smarter. It's about a laying of ourselves down and saying, I want to have the heart of God. True wisdom says, I desire to have the heart of God, who is himself gentle and lowly. The third thing that wisdom desires for our life is to strengthen us in difficulty. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, a a section that I'm sure many of us are familiar with, say this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And then in Proverbs 18, 10, we're told that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Much of Proverbs will give you guidance on how to live in a way that will lead you towards peace. But what Proverbs will also do is it will teach you how to live in peace when life doesn't go your way. When unexpected things happen. When confusing things happen. Maybe you've suffered a crushing loss. Maybe you're in a financial crisis. Maybe you are in a painful and complex relationship. Some of us, and I'm talking to myself here, will often in our worst moments and most painful moments run to things that are destructive to us. And what wisdom wants to do is to show us what it is that can truly bring us comfort and strength when we're struggling. That's why those proverbs exist that we just read. Rachel Gilson, I was listening to a podcast of hers a few weeks ago. If you don't remember, Rachel Gilson came and visited and and, uh, preached at our church a a couple of months ago now. And she had this incredible line that has stuck with me ever since I learned it. She said, sometimes it's the things that we love most that are wrapping their hands around our neck and trying to choke us. That was wisdom that she was speaking. Because what, what Rachel was seeing there is that there are things that she might love with all of her heart that are not good for her, that are not going to strengthen her when life gets difficult. And in fact, can actually do the opposite. Wisdom wants to disclose those things in your life. It wants to guide you in seeing the pattern of God's creation, understanding how he's wired you, what he's wired you for, why he's wired you that way. And it wants to show you how you can thrive in those things. Wisdom is a kindness that wants to help you walk away from things that are destructive to you, that won't uphold you. I know that I am so prone to live like that. I'm so prone to lose myself in things that are not good for me. They feel great, but what wisdom says is feeling is not always true. So I think it's clear that we all need wisdom. We all desire this kind of wisdom in our lives. Where do we find it? How do we find it? How is it that the book of Proverbs offers us what we're describing, what we're talking about, what we're looking towards here? What does this book give us? Gives us the beginning of wisdom. It's the most important thing that Proverbs gives us is it gives us the beginning of wisdom. And this is what it says in verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's probably the part of chapter one I like the least because I don't like the sound of that fear of the Lord. But sometimes we get a little confused about this phrase. It's actually a phrase that appears in scripture many, many times. And what it doesn't mean is that God wants you to be terrified of him. Biblical writers are not asking you to be terrified of God, that he might come and get you or or do something bad for you. Actually, it's it's more like an awe and respect of who God is. 
It's a reverence for his power, his authority, his greatness, his insight. What the fear of the Lord is, is something that will humble us before him. And it will lead us to one very important conclusion. We are not God. We are not like him. We cannot do what he can do. Those who fear the Lord have a continual awareness of him and a deep reverence for him. Does that describe you? There are many times in my life where if I'm honest, I'm not living in the fear of the Lord. My reverence is for my own wisdom, my own insights, my own interpretations of things. And so I need to come back to the fear of the Lord and remind myself I can never be for myself what he can be for me. I can never lead myself the way that he can. I can never be the shepherd that he is for me. And this is where we really have an opportunity to experience God in the book of Proverbs most precisely. We can ask ourselves questions like this. Do we live in awe and reverence of God? Do we desire to know his design for us? How often is he involved in the key decision makings of our life when we're planning about where we're gonna go work, how we're gonna relate to our boss, what we're gonna do with our kids as we're raising them, how we're gonna relate to our friends in school. You invite God on a daily basis to come and to speak and to make his wisdom known. We are looking for wisdom in all the wrong places. And what we must do is to come to the one who is himself wisdom. I mentioned earlier that the book of Proverbs, what it does in its first eight chapters is it personifies wisdom as a person. It's kind of this poetry that Solomon's using to help us understand what wisdom is like. But what if it wasn't just poetry? What if wisdom really is a person? Here's what we're told in Paul's letters to the Corinthians and the Colossians. I'm gonna read two verses together. First of all, from Corinthians one. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And then in Colossians, the letter that we've just finished reading, this marvelous picture of this great Jesus tells us this in chapter two. Paul praying that their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, Proverbs isn't just trying to teach us principles. It's trying to introduce us to Jesus. It's trying to introduce us to the person of wisdom. God has provided wisdom for anyone who would ask in his son. See, Jesus is far greater than Solomon. So what Jesus said in Matthew, he says, the queen of the South will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So why Jesus goes on to say, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see, Jesus isn't just another wise teacher like Solomon. Jesus wanted to be very clear about that with us. When he came, he didn't say, hey, I'm like Solomon. I'm like these wise teachers of old. I've got proverbs for you. I've got principles for you. Come and learn from me. No, Jesus comes and he says, I am wisdom. I am the pattern. 
I am the forming principle by which God created all things and holds all things together. So I see as Lewis is famous for having said that Jesus doesn't leave open to us the option that he was just a good teacher. To call, what C.S. Lewis says, he says, to call Jesus just another good teacher like Solomon is to be crazy. It's to be like the man who's like a fried egg. Jesus is far greater than Solomon. So you see, when we receive Jesus as our wisdom, he brings us rest. He brings us rest. Because all of a sudden, wisdom, it isn't about you accumulating knowledge. It isn't about you becoming cleverer than your neighbor. It isn't about you being enough. Wisdom becomes about seeing the one who is enough for you. Wisdom becomes about laying yourself down at the feet of the cross and seeing Jesus, your wisdom. I know that so many of us here are exhausted trying to navigate the chaos of the life that we live. So many things going on around us at any one given time. It's Father's Day today. And I know that as a father, it is a difficult thing to figure out how to raise your children, how to love your family and lead your family. And for you, conversations about wisdom is not just a nice intellectual exercise. It's literally how you might figure out how you're gonna navigate this next week. How are you going to make it through all the different things going on in your family, in your workplace, in your marriage? You long for it. You pine for it. You come to God and say, please give me your wisdom. And what Jesus says is come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says that because he is our wisdom. This morning, your hope is this just as Proverbs describes it in his first chapters. There is a father who is reaching out to you and is writing to you about his son. The personification of wisdom. And Proverbs is an invitation for you to come before him. To empty your cup, so to speak, of everything that you are doing for yourself and allow Jesus to become for you all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As we travel through this book, our hope is not that we might become cleverer people. It's that we'd see Jesus more clearly. That we would give him our hearts and that he would make us like him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this chance just to be together and to remind ourselves of what wisdom truly is. Not just a list and set of principles, but a person. And Father, as we scour through and study these different sayings of Solomon, God, I pray that we would do more than just learn the principles, but that our hearts would be transformed to love your son. That we would become people of justice and equity and humility because we've seen him and we've known him. Father, give us your grace, teach us your wisdom. Give us your son, we pray. Amen privilege for me to fly back and to sit under the teaching of Andrew. I'm so thankful for the the, our, the gifts of our many campus pastors and our staff. And so it's a gift for all of us. Thank you, Andrew, for leading us so well. And that last song that Anton led us in, we hold on to every promise you ever made because Jesus, you are unfailing. That, as Andrew taught us, is true wisdom. So brothers and sisters, go now in the grace, love, mercy, 
and wisdom of God, which is found in the person of Jesus Christ. To him be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. And go in peace.